Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So excited about the Friday broadcast. And uh, this is the end of a broadcast week. And this is the beginning of a weekend. And we are wrapping up this series on overcoming temptation. So this is part number three. And I want you to know that as long as you are breathing, as long as you're on this planet, you will face temptation. So don't let that discourage you. Realize that God has given us an antidote to overcome temptation. You know, many years ago, there was a serious car accident in Venezuela. And Venezuela had this accident, and this person was pronounced dead at the scene, a guy by the name of Carlos. Well, officials released the body to the morgue, and a routine autopsy was ordered. But as soon as the examiners began the autopsy, they realized something was gravely amiss. The body was bleeding. Uh, Well, they quickly stitched up the wounds and and that stopped the bleeding, which in turn jarred the man to consciousness. Carlos woke up and he said, I woke up because the pain was unbearable. Equally jarred awakened was his wife, who came into the morgue to identify her husband's body, but instead found him in the hallway alive. And living with image from countless TV shows on forensics, this scene comes vividly to life. Equally vivid is the scientific principle in the morgue. Oh, sure, blood is ambiguous with the work of operating a morgue. But here's the point. Dead people do not bleed. When we are bleeding, it is a sign of the living. You know, as you look at the Old Testament, it revolves around a similar understanding, mainly that life is in the blood. For the Old Testament in Hebrew, there is a general understanding that in our blood is the essence of what it means to be alive. There is life in the blood, there is energy, there is power in the blood. This notion of blood and power can also be seen in the language of sacrifice and offering up a sacrifice. Just as it was understood that the force of life exists in the blood, there's also a general understanding of the human need for the power of perfect blood, a need in our lives for that atoning, that cleansing, the blood of a living sacrifice made possible our lives. But God gives us a way that we can tap into this blood. You see, when Christianity speaks about Christ as the Lamb of God, It's a description of the one in whose blood cries out with enough life and enough power to reach every person, to bring comfort to every sorrow, to heal up every sickness, to be the cure for every shortfall, to be forgiveness for every evil and the power to overcome evil. He is the lamb who comes to bring life. And of his own accord, he offered himself up. Now, the Christian story tells me and reminds me that before the lamb was slain, he was very much alive, and he rose again, and he gave us that same power. You know, as I think about your life, and I think about my life, if we're going to be successful in overcoming sin, overcoming temptation, we got to be submissive. James says, draw near to God. We've got to be strategic, resist the devil. We've got to be systematic. 
We must constantly confess our sins. We must be single-focused, focusing on Christ. We must be sincere, and we must be serious. Let me read this text to you one final time before we have our concluding thoughts on how to overcome temptation. James is writing, and he says these powerful verses, verses 7 through 10 in James chapter 4. Submit yourself to God. Okay, number one, submit. Resist the devil. Number two is be systematic, resist the devil. Number three, come near to God. Okay, so have a plan to draw near to God. And when you draw near to God, the devil will be driven from you. Wash your hands. That's true confession. Purify your hearts. Be not double-minded. So be single-minded, glorifying Christ. Grieve over your sin. Mourn and wail. Change your laughter into mourning. Verse number 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. So we've covered a lot of territory here. We've covered, first of all, that if we're going to be successful in overcoming sin, we must submit ourselves to God. This is a willing action. It's not a forced submission. We willingly submit to God, drawing near to Him. And number two, we resist the devil. And so as we resist the devil, we discover that we are empowered. This is something that we probably can't do on our own volition. This is something that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. Number three, uh, we learned from our broadcast that we're to be strategic in how we are to move ahead. And then we're to be systematic in how we're to move ahead, washing our hands, you sinners. Number four, we learned that we are to be living our lives in such a way that we're single-focused. You see, whenever we give into sin, it's because we have become dual-focused. We want to please God on one hand, please ourselves on the other, please the enemy on the other hand, and so be single-minded. James says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. And number five, this is where we left off yesterday. Number five, we want to be able to be serious, sincere and sincerious. Now look what James says. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now, serious determination delivers serious success. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. When this unclean spirit has gone out of a person, right? Jesus is casting an unclean spirit out of a person. It passes through waterless spaces, seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I'm going to return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, even more evil than itself. And they enter into there and they dwell there. And Jesus says that the last state of that person is even worse than the first. So will it be of this evil generation. So James says, change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Jesus says, as you remove an unclean spirit, it goes out to find a place to rest, doesn't find another place to go. Then it comes back to the person that left. As it comes back to that person that has left, if you're not serious about filling that empty space with the Spirit of God, then that Spirit is going to take up residence within that house. It's open, it's swept, it's put in order, it's clean, and it goes and it gets seven other spirits, even more evil than itself. 
Jesus has given us a very strong warning here. It's not just eradicating evil and leaving our lives empty. This is one of the problems with some of the Eastern mysticism, where you're emptying your mind of everything and, and having an open and empty mind. The enemy loves to fill that void in your mind. As a matter of fact, he'll come back with seven other spirits that are worse than the first spirit that was there. So Jesus says that is the curse that is going to be upon this evil generation. So we must be serious about fighting the enemy. We change our laughter to the morning. We change our joy to gloom. And then we allow the Holy Spirit to take up residence within us. You didn't discover that you will have a whole new level of strength in your life as the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. Now, we've got one last point we've got to cover. If we're going to be serious about overcoming temptation, we've got to be those who are less selfish. So less of self, right? James says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, I'm thinking about this whole matter of humility, walking in humility. Walking in humility is a lifelong challenge. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. We want to be lifted up, but we don't want to walk in humility. I think about success that you can have. And if pride brings you success, it's temporary. Pride comes before a fall and a, and a haughty spirit before destruction. As a matter of fact, sometimes I pray a prayer. Uh, maybe I should pray it more often. And my prayer is that the Lord will not allow me to be more successful than my character can sustain. I've discovered that most people can handle failure pretty good, right? Uh, because we all have different levels of failure. But when it comes to success, it seems like success is more able to bring a person down than failure especially high-level success. And so I pray, Lord, don't allow me to be more successful than my character and my humility can sustain. James says, if I humble myself before the Lord, the Lord will lift me up. Now, if I have to lift myself up, I am sure to fall. If the Lord lifts me up, I am invincible. I think about a lot of my pastor friends who have been pastoring for 30, 40, 50 years and I have a dear pastor friend in Texas, and I always kid around with him. And I says, you know what? I want to retire like you retired. And this guy is 86 years old. And he's 86 years old. He retired from pastoring a church for over 50 years. Uh, he was in his 70s when he retired. And so he spent the last uh, 14, 15 years of his retirement year, you know, not collecting shells off the beach in Florida somewhere, but most Sundays— he is preaching at other churches throughout the country. He is spending his retirement years being selfless, giving himself, giving of his strength, giving of his wisdom. And he says, as long as the Lord gives me this ability, I'm going to keep doing it. As a matter of fact, I refer to him as the energizer bunny. This guy just keeps on going. And I guess he thinks as long as I keep on preaching, keep on ministering, uh, then I'm going to keep on living. Thankfully, his wife is very supportive, and she goes a lot of times uh, with him, but sometimes he's in a plane, and, and she stays home. Amazing, right? There was an airline passenger who needed some major comfort. An unidentified young man is being praised as a flight angel. 
And the reason he's being praised as a flight angel is because he comforted a 96-year-old woman who was nervous about flying. You see, she hadn't flown for a long time. It had been over 15 years since she had flown. And this young man was seated right next to this elderly woman. He didn't know her, but they were on a Southwest Airlines flight together. Well, according to a passenger nearby, she posted some photos of this pair on Facebook. Well, this 96-year-old explained that she was going to Kansas City for her birthday, and she was going to visit her family. But in her own words, she was scared of flying. And so this person who posted it said she asked for this man's hand during takeoff. And then she hugged this man again when they were experiencing some turbulence during the flight. Well, this gentleman gladly gave her his hand and let her hold on to him, calmed her by talking to her, and explained everything that was happening. He was simply there for her. He knew just what to do the entire flight to help her out. Also said of this man was that he went above and beyond the call of duty on that flight. But after the flight, he helped this lady, held her bag, helped her get off the plane, helped her get into her wheelchair. When she got confused and was wondering where her daughter was, whom she called her sister, uh, he stayed right there with her until they were able to catch up with her. And then the man left. And, and as this woman recorded all of this transaction taking place, she said that she walked away from that flight, sobbing, happy tears at that man's selfless actions. She wrote in the caption, Hats off to you, sir, for your kind heart, your compassion towards someone who you've never met. When I think about overcoming temptation, has it ever occurred to you that a key component of overcoming temptation is thinking less of yourself, humbling yourself before the Lord? He'll lift you up in due time, but humbling yourself before the Lord. You may be listening and say, well, I've never heard of humility being an antidote to overcome temptation. I want you to know that Satan, if he can, he'll try to defeat you through every temptation to do evil. If you can't get you to do evil, he will defeat you over the victory to do good. He'll get you so filled with pride that you'll be overcome with your pride. Now, I want to spend the rest of the broadcast looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. As we look at this passage, I'm going to make some comments along the way that I think will help give you that power to resist the devil, that power to overcome temptation. Colossians 3, verse number 1. Paul writes, and he says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Overcoming temptation is always accomplished by setting our hearts on on things that are above. When we are being tempted to give into sin, we are drawn to this earthly temptation, the lust of the flesh, the pride of the life. Uh, that's what we are drawn to. But Paul tells us that we have been raised with Christ. So set your hearts on things above. Paul goes on by saying, that's where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You know, when I was a youth pastor for many years, 
I loved working with students. I thought for sure I would spend my entire ministry working as a youth pastor, but God had other plans for me. One of the things I always would tell our young people, I would tell them, now listen, when you are tempted to give in to sin, whether it be sexual sin or or a sin to cheat or a sin to lie, I want you to think about your youth pastor. And I said, I want you to get a picture of my ugly face in your mind. And I want you to think about God's word being proclaimed. And I want you to think about the fact that you have a youth pastor that loves you and doesn't want you going down the wrong path. It doesn't want you experiencing the consequences of your sin. And so instead of focusing on that sin, focus on on my ugly picture, right? And then focus on Christ who's up in heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of God. And as he's up there sitting at the right hand of God, you know what he's doing? He is interceding on our behalf. So Paul says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul says, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In other words, we have been crucified with Christ, yet now we live with Christ. We live with Christ, who is our life, and he's going to appear in glory. Now, Paul gives us some real specific challenge here. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him also in glory. Paul is looking at the future, and he reminds us as followers of Christ that the rapture of the church is the next event to take place on God's calendar. But seven years after the rapture is the second coming of Christ. Here, Paul is alluding to that. And he says that we will appear with him in glory. In other words, we're going to be with Christ when he comes that second time. And so verse number five, Paul encourages us to put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. In other words, don't dwell on the things of an earthly nature. And then he gives us a list of things that we should not be dwelling on. These are things that we should be putting to death. You know, dead things don't bleed, right? Dead things are no longer able to give in to sin. We have to put these things to death. Sexual immorality. You know, whenever the Bible talks about sexual immorality, it's a very broad term that refers to all sexual activity outside of the confines of marriage whether that be sex before being married to somebody or sex with somebody you're not married to or any kind of homosexuality or any kind of deviant sexual behavior, sexual immorality. We are to put that to death. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Maybe you're listening to me today and and you say, man, these things keep plaguing me. Impurity. The thoughts that run through my mind. Are you taking these seven steps and applying them to your life today? Are you living in such a way that you are currently being submissive to God, drawing near to God, that you are humbling yourselves before the Lord? Paul also talks about in this list that we are to be overcoming these desires or putting to death these desires for greed. And what does he call greed? Greed is idolatry. It is worshiping money, worshiping 
something of material value. He says that's idolatry. It's putting that before God. Then he says in verse number six, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. He said, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. So Paul is reminding us, you know, we used to not even worry about resisting the devil. We used to not worry about resisting temptation. We just gave into them. We were going to face the wrath of God because we rejected the Spirit of God. We said no to the Spirit of God. We said yes to all kind of of allurement into sin. And Paul says, we used to walk in those ways, but now we rid ourselves of these things and we get rid of these things. Verse number nine, we don't lie to each other since we have taken off that old self with its practices and we put on the new self, which is being renewed by knowledge and the image of its creator. And so Paul here gives us a, a wonderful understanding of how we can overcome temptation. Did you know when you give in to sin, you're actually resurrecting your old self? You are resurrecting that old person. And so Paul says here that we are to put off that old person, that old self, and the practices that go with that old self, and we're to put on that new self. Now, this new self is constantly being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So here is what we must know. There is no Gentile, there's no Jew, there's no circumcised, no uncircumcised, no slave or no free. We're all in Christ, and he is our all in all. So here Paul tells us that we have been set apart. Verse number 12. We're still in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, Clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. All right, we're taking off that old self, we're putting on the new self, and we're clothing ourselves with compassion. So here are some wonderful antidotes to giving in to temptation. We're going to be kind, humble, gentle, patient, bearing with each other, forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against somebody else, Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. We're almost out of time, but let me cover the last three verses, okay? If you really want to overcome temptation, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of Christ, you are one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Oh, thanksgiving is an antidote to giving into temptation. When I give into temptation, it's because there's something in my life that I no longer appreciate. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and you admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You know, singing to the Lord is a wonderful way to be released from temptation. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands, all you people. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 
And then whatever you do, whether it's word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, let me close by asking you, what area of your life do you need to be an overcomer in? What area in your life are you feeling tempted? I'm going to pray that God gives you victory. Now, we have a couple of conferences I got to tell you about real quickly, and I'm going to ask you to go to our website to get more information. We have a discipleship conference coming up in August. We have a men's conference coming up in September. Now, if you battle with this issue of forgiveness, I'm going to encourage you to come to our men's conference, okay? It's in September. It's September 8th and 9th. If you want to have your family become uh, followers of Christ, to be disciples of Christ, join us for our August Discipleship Conference. I'm going to give you more information on the broadcast next week. But I really appreciate you tuning in today. My cell phone number that you can text me on if you have a prayer request or a concern is 252-267-2365. If you've missed any of the broadcast, maybe you want to hear this this whole uh, series on overcoming temptation, go to HRCC7 and you can pick up the old broadcast on our church website. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.